Well, isn't that the truth? I'm sure I'm not the only one that would say I have that same issue and same problem at times. But I'm thankful for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. We can have victory over our flesh and the world and all those types of things. We're going to be in Jonah, Jonah chapter 4 tonight. It's good to be back. It's good to see everyone. Good to see a good crowd on a Wednesday night. Thank you for being here this evening. Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, that's in the Old Testament. I heard a preacher always say things, you just be like, Genesis, Exodus, Jonah, or Genesis, Exodus, Malachi, or whatever. But I don't think that's exactly how it works. But Jonah chapter 4, <laughs> and this is probably a pretty familiar story to most, if not everyone here. But God tells Jonah to go uh, proclaim that he's going to destroy the city of Nineveh, and he does it. He runs from God first, gets swallowed by the well, gets spit back up, decides to do what God told him to do. And then a great revival happens in the city of Nineveh. And we're going to pick things up in Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says this. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord, and then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to be in church and, and God just to be able to be with some saints and to gather around your word. And we're thankful, Lord, that you are the true and living God. We're thankful that the Bible is real and living, Lord, that it says it's quick and powerful. Uh, and, and Lord, that we don't just have to come and, and, and hear from a man tonight, but Father, that we can come and hear from you. And God, I know tonight this isn't a Sunday morning or some special type of revival service or anything like that. Uh, but God, I do fully believe that you want to speak to these folks gathered here tonight, Lord, just as much as you would in any other service. And God, I know sometimes it can be easy just to get in a rhythm and especially for a, a midweek service after maybe a long week or a long day of work and, and things such as that to just kind of come in and just kind of coast through it and kind of just get done what we feel like we're supposed to do and go home. But Lord, I want you to move tonight, and, and God, I'm asking you tonight to make yourself very real to these folks gathered here tonight. Father, there's dear folks of, of God's Word Baptist Church chose to be here on a, a Wednesday night when they could be other places doing other things, and God, I pray you'd bless them for that. And God, if that's going to happen tonight, it's going to be because you're the one that speaks to their heart, not me. And so, Father, I pray you'd get me out of the way this evening. Lord, I plead the blood of Christ right now and ask that you'd empty me of sin, self, and pride and forgive me of anything in my heart that would hide your power and strength from me. And, God, I pray tonight that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up because if he's lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. And so, Father, I pray this evening as I preach and I try to bring forth what you've laid on my heart and what I've studied for and prayed about that, God, you would move up and down the aisles and you would touch hearts in whatever way that you see fit. God, I don't know what these people need tonight, but you do. And so, Lord, I'm trusting that if I do what you've called me to do and the job you've given me, that, Lord, you're going to do the real important part uh, of speaking to people's hearts. And so, God, please help us tonight. We need you so very much. I can't do this by myself, Lord, and I am willing to admit that and humble myself and say, God, I'm nothing without you. And, Father, these folks here tonight, the, the, the natural man discerneth not the things which are of God. Lord, if they're going to get something from you, it's going to be because you you speak to their hearts. So please do that tonight, Father. Please help us. We need you so very much, God. I need you so very much. Please, Lord, help us tonight. Speak to us. Uh, Lord, help us to be able to leave this place tonight saying that we heard from you. Not that we heard a, a, a message from Aaron Riddle, but that we heard a word from the Lord. So, Father, please help me tonight. God, help me preach as a dying man to dying men. And I'll be sure to give you the praise and glory and honor because you are the one that deserves it. And I pray all these things in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I'd like to start off tonight by asking you a question. How do you respond when things don't go your way? I'd like you to keep that in your mind tonight as we go through this message. But how do you respond when things don't go the way that you want them to go? Of course, it's easy to respond in a good way when things are going our way and, and, and situations are going the way we want them to and decisions are going the way that we want them to be made, all that kind of stuff. But what happens in our life when something happens and we don't like it? You know, when I look at this passage and we look at this man named Jonah, we see that Jonah was a man of God and, and he was a prophet. Like Jonah was a, a pretty quote-unquote spiritual guy, right? To the point to where when, when God's ready to destroy this wicked city, out of all the people that God could have gone to, he went to Jonah and said, hey, you're the man that I'm going to use to preach to this city, which tells me like Jonah had something to him. He wasn't just an average Joe. He wasn't just an a- Like there was something to the spirituality of Jonah. And even to the point then when he runs from God, God gives him a second chance. Right? Like he had something to me. God could have just killed Jonah and said, I'm going to find someone else. Or you, But he said, no, I'm going to get your attention and I want you to go back and preach to this city. I mean, we can see he talked to God. He had some type of relationship with God. I mean, I'm just trying to get across. I mean, he was a prophet. He was a man of God. This wasn't a terrible guy. This wasn't some wicked, vile sinner that wanted nothing to do with the Lord. But this was a man that had some, quote unquote, spirituality to him. But even though he was a man of God and a prophet... We see that he acted pretty horrible when God didn't do things his way. Even in the midst of all the spirituality and all this goodness, all that kind of stuff, we get in verse number one, whenever he wants the city to be destroyed and he wants God to wipe them out and he he just wants God to be done with them. And God doesn't do that and says, verse number one, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. He was mad about what God did. And in verse number three, he says, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, that's like pretty strong words, if you ask me. And it's, it's kind of like blows my mind because, I mean, as a preacher, right, especially some of you men that have preached, like, that's what you're aiming for when you preach. I mean, if I preached to a city, you know, if I went to uh, Ridgefield and, and preached and a bunch of people got saved and a bunch of people got right with God, I'd be like, wow, this is incredible. But man, when things don't go our way, it, it, it messes with us to the point where he's like, God, I want you to just kill me. And once again, this isn't like, like this is, I know a lot of times we just read the story and we just, but I mean, like he has a talk with God. I mean, he's talked with God. This is like actually a, a conversation with God. It's not just like me going up to my buddy and just being like, oh, you know, I did this stupid thing. Just kill me or some flippant. Like this is your telling God who you just saw make a giant fish eat you and spit like, just kill me, God. Like he means it. That's messed up. And then you go to verse number, uh, in the verse number eight, the end of verse number eight says, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Like that's, that's treaded on thin ice there when you start to get an attitude with God. Like where God's trying to get Jonah's attention and be like, hey, you dummy, like what's wrong with you? You really think it's a good thing for you to be mad after what I just did? And Jonah goes, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Like if I just said that to my dad, I wouldn't have been able to feel the side of my face for like a week. But yet that's what he's doing to God. You know why? Because Jonah didn't get what Jonah wanted. And you see that with mankind a lot. You look at the life of the Israelites. If you go to to Numbers chapter 16, Numbers chapter 16, this is a story of when the the, the children of Korah come and tell Moses and Aaron that they take too much upon themselves and they should basically be in the same position and in charge just like they should be. And Moses says, well, okay, we're going to let God make the decision here and God's going to show you what he wants. And he says, you know what, if, 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 if these men die a simple, normal death, God's not on my side. But if he sees, says, God, Moses says, but if God does a strange new thing, and if he opens up the ground and swallows these men alive, you'll know that God wants me to be in charge. And that's what happens. But look what happens in uh, Numbers chapter 16 and verse number 39. 
Uh, the Bible says, And Eleazar the priest took the brazen censers wherewith they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel, that no stranger which is not of the seed of Aaron come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not as Korah in his company as the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses. So like they're making a memorial here saying this is proof that this is what God wants. This isn't just a man thing, but this is like God clearly showed that he wants Aaron in charge and doing the priesthood, all that kind of stuff. But look in verse number uh, uh, verse number 41, the Bible says this. It says, but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, ye have killed the people of the Lord. Once again, like, did these people just pay attention to what happened? I mean, the ground <laughs> literally opened up and swallowed them. Fire came out of the, the incense and, and the fire and, 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 and burnt them alive. Like, it was a God thing. And it should be clear to them, like, okay, maybe we should listen to Moses and Aaron because God, but what happened? They didn't get what they wanted and they had a problem with how things went. So all of a sudden, well, you killed, you killed these men. We're going to murmur and complain and be mad with you and give you a hard time. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though anyone could look at it and be like, it doesn't make sense what you're doing. But they didn't get what they wanted. And so people go out of their mind when they don't get the way that the things that they want. Go over a couple chapters in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21 and verse number 4. The Bible says this, Numbers 21 and verse number 4. It says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Eden. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. So they're traveling wrong, they're doing their thing, and all of a sudden things aren't going the way that they want them to go. It's a hard road, they're, they're, they're running short on water, on bread, it's not easy and comfortable like they want it to be. And all of a sudden they start speaking against God. Right where at one time it was just Moses and Aaron, it was just the men that God had put in charge. I mean, now they're literally speaking against God as the one who just brought them out of Egypt, the one who did miracles and signs and wonders. And now they're like, God, you don't know what you're doing. Which is a really dumb thing to do. But once again, what happens? Man doesn't get his way, and man goes out of his mind because of it. And they'll come up with whatever excuse they want, they'll act however they want. Why? Because they didn't get their way. There was a famous boxer, and some of you might know who this is, but there was a boxer by the man, by the name of Mike Tyson. I don't know if any of you know who Mike Tyson is, but Mike's back there shaking his head, and some of you guys know. Well, I forget, I think the guy's name, what was his name? Something Hollyfield, I think, was his name. But he was an up-and-coming boxer that was uh, getting ready to fight Mike Tyson. And uh, I guess, I'm not huge into boxing, but just from reading the story and stuff like that, this this boxer that was challenging Mike Tyson had this strategy or style that was he was going to do. You know, he was going to beat Mike Tyson, who, if you didn't know, Mike Tyson was a great boxer. He was a very good boxer, had a great record, all that kind of stuff. But this new and up-and-coming boxer, you know, was talking to the media of, oh, I got this plan, and I'm going to beat him by doing this and doing that, all that kind of stuff. And these reporters came to Mike Tyson and said, well, what do you, what do you think of, of Hollyfield's plan? And Mike Tyson said this, he said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right? It's true, right? And he, what he basically was saying was, yeah, this guy can say whatever he wants and act however he wants and think he's going to get in the field. But he says, when he gets in that ring with me and I wallop him in the face, his head's going to start spinning. And he's not going to care about his plan. He's just going to care about not getting punched in the face again. Well, the reason I bring that up is because, you know what? We as Christians can be great at being spiritual until we face adversity. We as Christians can have this great plan of being spiritual and living for God and doing what's right until what? We get punched in the mouth. Whether that's getting punched in the mouth by the devil or getting punched in the mouth by the world or getting punched in the mouth by our flesh or maybe the Lord, not in a sense of like trying to hurt us, but the Lord does something we don't see coming or how we want it to be done. And what happens, well, really quick, all that spirituality and, and living for God and doing right and all that goes out the window. Why? Because of the adversity, because things happen that we didn't want to happen. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I've grown up in church. I'm 28 years old. My dad's a pastor. I've been in the ministry myself for almost 10 years now. And it's really sad to say I've seen a lot of Christians and a lot of like, 
I would have considered good, godly Christians and good people and people that served the Lord and were faithful to church and doing, and yet something happens that they don't get their own way. And man, just chaos ensues. And they leave the church or they start causing problems in the church and they start turning on people and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's terrible. It's horrible. Just a, a couple of months ago, it had happened in my parents' church and I was, I was, it, it broke my heart because I, I knew the couple and I knew the lady that was kind of the pro and she, she was almost like a grandma to me and she was faithful and served and helped and did a lot. But something happened that came along and she didn't get her own way. When all of a sudden she's talking bad about my parents and she's spreading lies and she's going to people's houses telling about how terrible things are and eventually they left the church. You only go, what happened? Well, somebody didn't get their own way. And we got to be careful of that. And can I say tonight that a good sign of your spiritual maturity is how you respond when things don't go your way. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, and verse number 11, Paul said, he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought a child, act child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, you know, especially if you have kids or if you've ever worked in a nursery or just been around kids, you've ever been to Walmart, you, know, you, you think of like little kids. If you're giving them what they want, they can act pretty well. Right? If they have the phone or the TV that they're watching or doing, you know, if they have that toy that they want or if they're sleeping and they're, like, everything's fine. But man, you try to take that phone away from them or you try to take that toy away from them or you tell them it's time for bed or you try to wake them up when they don't want to be woken up. You know what you hear? Ah! And all that kind of craziness of just acting just as a child. Like, they're just being immature. They don't care that there's important things that need to be, they just, they didn't get what they wanted and so they're going to make sure everybody knows about it. I'm sure at Walmart you've probably heard that kid screaming and maybe even some adults acting the same way. But that's what a kid does because they're not mature. And hopefully, I mean, yeah, there's times where, you know, I wake up in the morning and I don't want to wake up and I want to be like, oh, I don't want to get up, all that kind of stuff. But you realize you got, because it's my job, it's the thing I want to do. Well, once again, spiritually, you're not a spiritually mature Christian if you're loving God and serving the Lord and a good spirit and a good attitude and friendly to everybody and just doing what you're supposed to be doing when everything's going the way that you want it to go because that's just normal. That's what everybody does. But what really shows your spirituality is, yeah, when someone wrongs you. Yeah, when a decision's made that you don't agree with and don't think it's how it should be done or or this thing comes into your life and it's it's something that you don't... How do you respond to that? Because that's really when, when the rubber meets the road. That's really when you're tested on how spiritual and how godly and how much you do love the Lord. When it's not just, well, yeah, I'm doing all these things because it's easy and, and everything's going the way I want. But, man, this is hard and this is difficult. And I'm ashamed to say, man, there's been times where the Lord's had to beat me up a little bit because it's been like, you say about how godly you are and spiritual you are and how much you love me. Well, then how come you acted this way when this thing didn't go the way you wanted it to? And so how do you respond when things don't go your way? I'm going to look at quick tonight some godly people and how they responded when things didn't go their way. We looked at some instances of, of, of people who didn't respond the right way and even looked at their own lives and be like, oh, yeah, I've been in that spot myself. But I'll look at three different people tonight about how some godly people responded when things didn't go their way. And hopefully it can maybe be a help to us and some things that we can think about when things in our life don't go the way we want to. Go to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, of course, the first person we're going to talk about is Job. Job chapter 1 tonight. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Once I finally get there, it's in the Old Testament. Job chapter 1. And we know the story of Job, so we're not going to read all this, but... Basically, Job loses everything he has. Loses his possessions, loses his kids, loses his wealth, all that kind of stuff. And the end of Job chapter 1, we're going to start in verse number 20, whenever he hears all these reports of all this bad stuff happening in his life and things aren't going his way. The Bible says this, Job chapter 1 and verse number 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. 
When we think about godly people and how they responded when things didn't go their way and we look at Job here, I'd like to say about Job, and what I see in him is that he kept the right attitude. He kept the right attitude when things didn't go his way. You know, many times we, as even spiritual Christians, get the wrong spirit or attitude when things don't go our way. And look, I know who I'm talking to tonight. We're talking to, you know, the Wednesday night crowd. We're the spiritual ones, right? Because we're, you know, we're in church on a Wednesday night, all that kind of stuff. And so maybe we do a little bit better job of not outwardly, you know, showing when things don't go our way and throwing a fit and throwing things and punching people in the face and all that kind of, even though we might run into, right, sometimes. <laughs> and Brother Mike's like, amen. So we know not to do that stuff. But you know what we can have a problem with? Our spirit and our attitude. And getting cross with people or with God or getting bitter with people and with God or getting just that, I'm just not going to help every, anybody else. I'm going to get cold and cow. And it affects our spirit. If you go over to Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25, keep your spot here in Job, but Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25, and in verse number 28, the Bible says this, Proverbs 25 and verse number 28, the Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. You know what we need to learn to, to be able to control our spirit and have the Lord help us to have the right spirit and attitude? Because we're vulnerable to the enemy when, our, when we, we don't have control of it. Right? When we get in our flesh and we get in that way. And, and look, I, that's, that's one of the things that, that I struggle with. Because once again, I'm not a confrontational person. I'm not going to yell and scream at somebody. I don't do good with that, just getting in someone's face. But I can very easily hold something in my heart against somebody. You know, I'm not going to sit there and curse God and say, but I can very easily start to get a, a wayward spirit and attitude towards the Lord because of things that happen in my life. And man, the devil eats that stuff up. And the devil has such a good job of causing more discord between people and, and, and causing bitterness and anger and just callousness and coldness and apatheticness. I think there's a lot of people in good churches today that, I mean, yeah, they'll come on Sunday morning or they'll be at church and they'll sit there and go through all the, But man, their spirit isn't right. And they're just kind of cold and hard and just apathetic towards the things of God. And there's just that tension between them and other. Why? A lot of times it started with something happened that they didn't get what they wanted or things didn't go their way. And the devil got in because of that bad spirit that they had and caused some issues. Go to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16 and verse number... Proverbs 16 verse number 32. The Bible says this, it says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Now, I know probably no one here, including myself, ever taken a city or conquered a city or anything like that. But that's a pretty amazing feat. Like, that's if you can go to a city, like, especially back in Bible times, and you have your, like, if you can, like, that's a pretty amazing thing. That's a good, like, you're a great general if you can do that. But what's the Bible say? Being able to rule your spirit is better than being able to take a city, right? Being able to handle something not going your way and facing situations that you don't like and keeping a right heart and keeping a right attitude and, and, and keeping all those things the way they're supposed to. There's some pretty good things with that. God's pleased with that. And that's something that we should strive for. And that's what I see in Job. I see that even in the midst of all these terrible things that happened, I mean, man, I'm, you know, driving down the road today and this trucker, you know, because truckers love to do, you know, they can't just all stay in the lane and let traffic go by. They have to go in the lane right beside the other truck and then stay the same exact speed so that everyone, I can't face that without getting, you know, what what's going on, like getting my spirit upset. But yet, I mean, Job lost his kids, he lost his possessions, he lost like everything that he had, which is a whole lot worse than, you know, having to be a minute late because I had to sit behind a truck or something like that. But yet he kept the right attitude. And what I see in Job's attitude is, you know, A, his attitude was to worship and praise the Lord. In Job chapter 1 and verse number 20, then the verse it says, and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. And then in verse number 21, he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. His attitude wasn't to get mad at God or bitter at God or God, why'd you do this to me? Or I don't, it was, you know what? Hey, God's still good. And God's still worthy to be lifted up and praised. 
Next, we think of First Thessalonians 5.18. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Right? I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. It's easy to sit here and say that. But the last thing I want to do when something doesn't go my way is say, oh, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, Lord, for this truck driver that needs to go back to trucking school and realize how he's supposed to drive and not block traffic up. Right? But that's what God wants from us. And that's what I see in Job is, is he said, this stinks, this is terrible, but you know what? God's still good. I think it'd help a lot with our spirit and our attitude and things if we would just thank God and realize that, hey, even in the midst, God is still good. And so I see Job's attitude was A, to worship and bless the Lord. I see Job's attitude was B, was that he didn't deserve for things to always go his way. He didn't have this expectation that God owed him anything. He says, uh, verse number 21, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His attitude was, everything I have, any good thing that I that I receive comes from God, and so if God chooses to take that away and, and do things I don't... That's the Lord's decision. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what our issue, my issue, a lot of times is? We think everything always deserves to go our way. And like, man, it's such a travesty that this thing that I wanted to happen or not want to happen, it happened or it didn't happen or this thing, how dare that happen? Right? I mean, I understand it's frustrating and upsetting, but oh my goodness, you know, the person at McDonald's made my burger and the cheese is off the side or they messed up my, they put pickles on it when I didn't want pickles. How? And it's kind of, but we get upset about stuff, right? Because like, well, this shouldn't have happened to me. Like I said, myself driving down the road. Well, how dare that trucker? Like, because we're just focused on ourselves. Like, we're owed something. Like, like God deserve. Like we deserve God to to make us His focal point of doing everything that pleases us and goes our way. And when that doesn't happen, well, what's going on? This is horrible. But you know, over in Ro- uh, Revelation four eleven. The, the 24 elders around the throne of, of God say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and pleasure, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And what we need to realize tonight is God didn't make us so He could just please us and, and for our pleasure. He made us for His pleasure. Which means sometimes there are things that are His pleasure that aren't my pleasure. And I've got to be willing to accept that and be okay with that. You know what? It was God's pleasure not to just be mean to Job or, or, or be cruel to Job. But when the devil came along and said, oh, hey, you know, uh, you know, no one really came. God's like, well, have you seen my servant Job? And is kind of bragging him. The devil's like, oh, he's just doing that because, you know, what you gave him. God wanted to prove that Job was doing right and loved God for the right reasons. And so he said, I'm going to take everything away, let you have power of him, and I'll prove to you that he's still going to be faithful to me. That was God's pleasure, and God had every right to do that. And Job realized that. Hey, naked I came to this earth, naked I'm leaving, the Lord gave, Lord take, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but we need to have that same attitude as well, that God doesn't owe us anything. God's main goal in his being isn't just to please us all the time. Our goal is to please him, and so sometimes that means things don't go our way. And we need to be okay with that. And so Job's attitude A was to worship and bless the Lord. Job's attitude B was that he didn't deserve for things to always go his way. But Job's attitude C was to not sin or do something foolish. It says in verse number 22, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Right? I'm not going to ruin my testimony. I'm not going to do something I'm going to regret just because things didn't go my way. I'm ashamed to say I've done that before. Right? Someone does something and I'm quick to sin with my mouth or sin with my heart or do something. Why? Because it, it didn't go my way. But the Bible says, Paul said in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, I know how to be a base and how to be exalted. I know to go with neat. He said, but I've learned to be okay with whatever comes my way. And you and, our, you and I in our lives need to realize once again that things aren't always going to go our way. People aren't always going to do what we want them to do. We need to have it in our heart to not sin or charge God foolishly or do something we're going to regret just because something didn't go our way. And a lot of times, too, when I've looked back at those situations, I'm like, that really wasn't worth it. It really wasn't worth it to run my mouth about that person or to get an attitude towards them or or, or get bitter towards God because it just this little that really in the grand scheme of things wasn't that crazy of a deal. 
but I'm selfish. I can be very much, you know, there was an old football player uh, named Chad Johnson, or he also changed his name to Chad Ochocinco, and his kind of catchphrase was, I love me some meat. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think many of us, we love me some meat, right? And so we don't like it when things don't go our way. But Job had the right attitude. And you and I need to realize that we need to keep the right attitude even when things don't go our way. Because that's a lot of times where it starts. It doesn't start with the outward, it starts on the inward. And if we can cut it off on the inward, it's going to save a lot of problems on the outward. And so some godly people and how they respond when things didn't go their way. Number one, we looked at Job. Let's secondly look at David. Let's look at David. Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16. <coughs> And this is after he had been kind of, or after he had fled from Absalom because Absalom had taken over the kingdom. In 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 5, <coughs> the Bible says this. It says, uh, I'm in 1 Samuel, so I should probably get to 2 Samuel. That'd probably help. You know, it would be like, what version of the Bible are you reading? 2 Samuel 16. Verse number 15. I'm sorry, verse number 5. I am all confused right now. I'm sorry. Second Samuel 16 and verse number 5. This is the right verse, praise the Lord. It says, And when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, excuse me, come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with thee, these sons of Zeruiah? I'm struggling with that name. But anyway, so let us let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him, and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And what I see here in the life of David is when things happened that, that didn't go his way, and I believe you see that in his passage, is that he accepted it and he let God handle it. He accepted it and he let God handle it. And I see in David that he had a lot of humility when things didn't go his way. A lot of humility. And you think about this. I mean, first off, it's bad enough and probably embarrassing enough to him as king to have his son, like not just some sister, but his own son rise up against him. And now he's having to flee. And, you know, what people would be probably thinking, man, what do people think of me as a king and as a father and all this type of stuff? And I'm having to flee away from my son. I'm not in the, the throne anymore. I'm not in, in Jerusalem anymore. Like that's embarrassing enough as it is. But then he's traveling along here and this Shimei starts to be an idiot. Right? And he starts to curse at David as they're walking along, starts throwing stones at David, starts lying about David. Right? Call him a son of Belial and, and, and saying that, you know, God's, God's, you know, uh, uh, returning your wickedness basically upon you because of the wrong you did to Saul. You're just getting back what's deserved you, which wasn't true. I mean, like, that's, that's even harder, right? Like, it's bad enough whenever things, you're going through a hard thing or something's going on that you don't like. Whatever you have some jerk then making it worse by, like, just poking and prod, like, that's really hard to deal with, at least for me. Maybe y'all just don't have any problem at all with that. But I know at least for me, that's like I get to that point where I'm just like, like uh, uh, Abishai, like, let me go over and take off his head, right? But David had humility, right? David, you know, accepted it, like I said, and, and let God handle it. And we'll, we'll get to that, but I don't get too far ahead of myself. But thinking of the humility that he had, it's very hard to overcome our pride when we don't get our way. It's really hard to overcome our pride when we don't get our own way. 
like I said, whether it's that pride of expecting like everything should just happen the way we want it to happen, so how dare this thing not go the way I wanted it to. But I mean, having to submit to someone else or submit to God, going through a situation and we feel humbled by it because we had this plan or this thing and maybe when we shared with others how this thing should go and then all of a sudden it doesn't go our way, like that can be kind of embarrassing. Right? Once again, we like our own way. Like, just that's natural. That's not like a wrong thing necessarily. But if we do something or think something or have an opinion on something, we do it because we feel like it's right. And so when someone else comes along and they have a differing opinion or do something different, like, I just, I have a hard time being like, well, okay, we'll do things your way instead of my way. You know why? Not even necessarily because I hate them or I think they're stupid or dumb. It's just because I think my way is the way things are supposed to be done. And I have a hard time sometimes swallowing my pride and being willing, like the Bible says, to honor one another and prefer one another and submit yourselves one another and say, okay, we'll do things that way instead of the way I think it should be done. Or even more so with God, because God is 100% right all of the time. And God comes along and I'm like, well, God, I should do this, or I think it should go this way, or this is what I think I should do. And God's like, no. I'm like, but God, don't you get And you try to, you know, convince God of your right and all that kind of... And God's like, No. And it can be hard sometimes to swallow pride to accept that. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.10 that only by pride cometh contention. And I've been guilty of this as anyone else, but there's a lot of contention in churches today. And there's a lot of contention between Christians and God today because of pride. And yeah, maybe in church it could be pride on both sides of the whatever disagreement, whatever it is. But when it comes to God, the pride's on us. It's not on God. And it's, I mean, I've like, I've heard stories of church splits happening because of the color of the carpet. Like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. But man's pride is a strong thing. And man, I can look at that and scoff at that and be like, well, that's just so, but yet I can look at my life and see times where there were very trivial things that I had an issue with someone else and caused problems with because, well, this thing didn't go the way I thought it should go. And we got to be careful of that. We really have to be careful of that. But you know what? David realized that maybe God was the reason things weren't going his way. Instead of getting all up in pride, and I mean like, if I was David, like I said, when Abishai said, let me take off the head of this dead dog, I'd be like, no, wait, I'll go do it. I'll take care of this guy, right? Because I want him to shut up. And I mean, he's the king. Like He has every right to be like, go put this guy to death. But that's not what he did. If you look in verse number 11, it says this, And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. Like, that's that's a tough pill to swallow to be like, this guy is basically the equivalent of cussing me out and lying about me. And not just to me, but I mean, it's in front of all of his mighty men. This is like an embarrassing thing. Like, if you're supposed to be the leader and king, you don't let peons like this talk to you this way. But he's saying, you know what? God told him to do that. Leave him alone. Let him keep doing it. That takes a lot of humility. And he said, hey, maybe God, maybe maybe this is what the Lord wants. Maybe it's reason for this. How many times when things don't go your way and my way do we look at it as, well, maybe God's doing this for a reason? Right? Maybe God has a plan for this. Maybe maybe this plan is just to humble me. I don't think that way very often. But I guarantee you there's probably been some things in my life that God's put there just to be like, I need you to get humbled. But David understood that it was best to let God handle things. If you look in verse number 12... After he says, curse for the Lord, the Lord hath bidden him, it says, it may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. I think basically he was saying, he said, you know what? If God bid him to curse me and I stop him from cursing me, he says, and I'm going against God. I'm going to have to face God because of that, right? I'm going to have to face some type of pushback because I didn't, I, I did opposite of what God wanted. But he said, I think this is what God God wants. And he said, you know what? Maybe the Lord will look upon this and see my humility in accepting this. And he said, maybe he'll bring some good in my life because I was willing to accept what he what he put in it. And I'm going to let God take care of it. And God, and you find out that God did, right? God took David back to the to the 
being king. He took care of all that. And then Solomon was the one that took care of Shimei. And so we have to trust that God will take care of things. If you go to Romans chapter 12, and that's not, that's not easy to do. That's really not easy to do. But Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 17. Romans 12 and verse number 17, the Bible says this. Romans 12, 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing, for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's difficult to do. And I understand when you think things should be done a certain way and you feel like you're right and you're trying to do what's right and, and someone comes along and their opinion and their way is not your way, it's difficult to accept that. Man, it's difficult when you're out in the workforce or out living life or at school or doing whatever and someone acts like an idiot to you because you're a Christian and trying to do what's right. It's hard to not give it back to them. But that's what the Lord expects of you and I. He says, hey, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And especially if that's, especially like, you know, thine enemies and like we said, maybe people in the world or people that we know, shame even sometimes family members that aren't very pleased with us living for God and just nag and poke and all that kind. And we're supposed to treat them in a loving, caring way. Well, how much more do you think God wants us to treat brothers and sisters in Christ? Because I'll, I'll just... This might come as a shock and, you know, brace yourself a little bit. But I guarantee you there's going to be some things that happen in this church that aren't going to go the way that you want them to happen. I guarantee your pastor is going to make some decisions that you're not going to agree with. And I've been there. I'm still, I'm, I'm an associate pastor. I'm not the head honcho or anything like that. And me and my pastor don't always agree on everything and do. But you know what I need to realize? I don't always have to have things my own way. And I'm not talking tonight about like letting sin go or like, you know, something's wrong and wicked and vile and we just, we can't say anything. I'm not, I think you know what I'm talking about tonight. Meaning sometimes decisions have to be made, things have to be done. And we gotta put it in God's hands. Right? Okay, yeah, give your peace, be spiritual, be godly. There's nothing wrong with in a civil, godly way disagreeing with someone or letting your opinion or your whatever be made known. But there's a big difference between that and causing issues and causing problems and causing strife and getting an attitude and a bad spirit between people because, well, this isn't how I think it should be done. And I, like I said, I'm very sad to say, as I said earlier, I've seen that happen time and time and time and time to good people. To, in a sense, godly spiritual people that were living for God and doing great things for the Lord. And yeah, hey, as an associate pastor, when I was back in Pennsylvania, I was under my dad. I had to get to a point, and it wasn't always easy, and it wasn't always like, oh, this is... But there were times where I simply had to say, you know what, God, I've done the best that I can do to whatever, give my opinion. And maybe I'm right in this, but God, I'm not the one that you put in charge of making decisions or doing the things or whatever. I'm outvoted or however you want to put it. And so, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of things and know that I'm doing the best that I can do to do right. And, hey, part of that is submitting and being willing to have a good spirit and attitude. And God, it's on you now, not me. It's hard to do that, especially as a guy, right? Especially as someone when you're like trying to fix stuff and it comes from a good heart. It's not like being wicked or vile, but it's just like, but God, I want the best. Sometimes you'd be like, okay, God, my hands are off and I've done what I can do. I'm not going to trust you now. And I see that in David and his humility. And you know what? When things don't go your way, be willing to accept it and be willing to let God handle it. Because sometimes God's testing us. I fully believe there's been times in my life where God, whether it's from a decision, from someone above me, or some that it's been a test from the Lord to say, how are you going to respond to this? How are you going to act? And hopefully if God's seen in me that I've done the right thing, he's like, okay, that was just a test. Now here, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll make it better, however he works it out. 
And so we need to be like David. And so how some godly people respond when things didn't go their way. We see Job, that he kept the right attitude. We see David, that he accepted it and let God handle it. And lastly, let's look at Daniel and we'll be done tonight. Go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, into the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. And let's skip down to verse number 8. And so they go and take the kids and, and, and Daniel and his friends and take them to Babylon. Verse number 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. What I see in Daniel is that I see that Daniel decided to do what was right, even when things didn't go his way. And once again, I know we read the Bible, and this is a very familiar story, and we go through it, but like, when you think about it, a lot of things didn't go Daniel's way. Like, this was rough for Daniel. I mean, you imagine having a different nation conquer your land, probably kill his parents and his family, and then take you to a foreign land, a completely different language, a different place, all that kind of, like, that'd be hard. And then on top of it, from Scripture, from what I believe, they made him a eunuch, which especially as a guy is really rough and tough to deal with. Like, that's that's not just a walk in the park for Dan. Like, that's some terrible stuff. Like, really, could you imagine being in that as a young man, having to go through all of that and realize you have to live the rest of your life this way in a strange land, serving a strange king, serving false gods, lost your family, now you're a eunuch. Like, that's hard. But yet Daniel still decided that he was going to please the Lord. That when, man, when anybody kind of could have given a pass or an excuse to just, whatever, Daniel, go do your thing. I get, you know, I mean, it's never right, but sometimes you do just see, and you're just like, I'm not agreeing with it, but I understand. Like, I could understand Daniel just being like, I'm just going to make the best of this situation now and do my thing. And for, But it says he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat. He said, even in spite of all this stuff that happened, I mean, he could have got bitter at God and mad at God, and why could you let the... But he said, Lord, I'm still going to please you, and I'm still going to do what's right. And you know what? When things don't go our way in our lives, we should ask ourselves what pleases the Lord and purpose in our heart to do it. And I get that's difficult. I keep saying that a lot in this message. Like That's difficult. That's hard because it is. When, man, you're discouraged and you're having a hard time and, and things didn't go your way and God put something in your life or someone else is causing issues. And my first inclination is not what pleases God in all this? What can I do to bring God glory and honor? But I think if Daniel could go through all that stuff and still please the Lord, I think you and I can. I think you and I can step back and say, okay, God, this is rough and this is difficult and I don't like it, but Lord, what can I do that's going to please you? And purpose in our heart that, Father, I'm going to act the right way. I'm going to have the right attitude. I'm going to have the right spirit. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to do what I can to bring you glory and praise, all those types of things. And, and sometimes what that means is we need to ask the Lord for his help to do those things. Because that's not natural for you and I. Man, that's the, the last thing that is natural to you is to praise God or to be humble or to have a good spirit when things don't go your way and my way. It's, it, it's, it's not what we naturally do. So you know what we need to do? We need to pray and ask God for help to do it. Now, that's not some, like, magical thing that's like these five steps in here, but how often do we do that? We're so quick to, like I said, run our mouths or, or get a bad spirit or cause problems or issues. or But how quick are we to get on our knees and say, God, would you just help me do the right thing in this situation? God, would you help me to be humble? God, would you help me to keep my spirit and my attitude right? And sometimes that's a prayer you have to keep praying. 
Because it's not just like a one-time thing of, oh, I prayed this one time, everything's wonderful. and we're... Sometimes you have to keep going back and keep, because your flesh is still alive. And as much as we crucify our flesh, our flesh likes to climb down off that cross and get right back in it. And so, what about pleasing the Lord? Because we're going to stand before God one day. And an excuse of, well, God, I acted this way or did this thing because I didn't like what was going on. I don't think that's going to fly very well with the Lord. I don't think God's going to say, oh, you poor baby. That's okay. I understand. Here you go. I think he's going to say, well, you knew what you were supposed to do. You know what my Bible said. Man, Jesus Christ went through a lot of things that didn't go his way. But yet he was still faithful and did what was right. And so what about it tonight? We could have a piano player come. And you can just have a time of reflection and stuff like that. But how how do you respond when things don't go your way? I'm not talking tonight about how's your spiritual life whenever everything's going good and everything's how you plan it to be and everything's wonderful and fine and are you reading your Bible and you're praying. I'm talking about when things, and they will come, and maybe you're right now in some spot where something's happened that hasn't gone your way. How How have you responded or how do you respond? You respond like Jonah and get upset and mad and why this happened and God and it's better for just me to be dead and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like the Israelites and you murmur against the ones God's put in charge or against God himself. You get bitter and complain. Or do we act like Job and have a good attitude and do our best to have a good spirit? Do we act like David and be humble and accept it and say, okay, God, you, you allowed this to happen, so Lord, I'm putting it in your hands and trusting you're going to take care of it? And do we act like Daniel and say, God, what pleases you in this? And Father, it's difficult, but I want to please you. I want you to be honored and glorified with what I do. So as the piano plays with head bows and eyes closed, if you'd like to come to an altar and do business with the Lord, if you'd like to do business in your chair, whatever you'd like to do, but I encourage you tonight to do some business with the Lord. Because I think many of us, including myself, probably need to work a little bit better with how we respond when things don't go our way. Now we do need to ask the Lord and say, God, help me. Maybe that's all you need to do tonight is just like, God, help me do what I'm supposed to do. It's hard, it's difficult, but God, please help me. Because we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. God wants you to have a good attitude. God wants you to be humble. God wants you to please him. So I don't think he's going to come to anyone that prays and say, oh, no, I think he's going to say, yeah, I want to help you to do what's right. I want you to, I'm I'm here for you. But you've got to be faithful to want it. And you've got to be faithful to pray for it. You have not because you ask not. So as the piano plays tonight and the stillness of the night, let's do some business with the Lord. And you speak to him as he's dealt with you.